You know, one of the most Googled questions on the Internet is, what happens after you die? I mean, this is 7 billion people on the planet. Everybody wants to know what happens when you die. And uh, it's, it's just fascinating to see that everybody asks this question. And, uh, and we have to look at that because people are wanting to know, you're wanting to know. And uh, especially people that have no walk with Jesus Christ, they want to know, is there total annihilation? Is there an afterlife? Uh, what actually happens after we depart from here? There was uh, three men, and they were discussing as to what they would want said at their funeral. And so they asked one of the guys, what, what do you want said at your funeral? And he said, well... He said, I would like for him to say he was a man of integrity, he ran his business with ethics, and he, uh, he was uh, just a good guy. And the second guy said, well, what I'd want to be remembered for is that I was a family man. I loved my family, and they knew I loved them, and others knew that I loved my family. So I looked at the third guy and said, what, what, what do you want him to say at your funeral? And he said, I want him to say, look, he's moving. You know, we try to hold off death as much as we can. It, I mean, we live in a day, I was, I was seeing an article the other day that, that children today, because of the, the leaves and uh, moves down the field that they're making with, with life, that there's a good chance they will average living to 100. And uh, the question is, is that, is it just existing to a hundred or is it truly the quality of life? And, uh, you know, we, what you looked at in this, in this video is what we're going to talk about today as we talk about life. And in fact, we're entering into something called What's After ATX that you'll hear more from me, uh, on this as the message goes along. But we're entering into something here that is going to be talked about over the whole Austin area this spring. And uh, the question literally is, what happens, what happens next? What happens after we die? Uh, when we moved into our house that we live in 14 and a half years ago, almost 15 years ago now, you know, we want to get our, to know our new neighbors and everything. So what you have to do at that point is you turn your backyard into your front yard. You know, as you normally go hang out in the backyard, you hang out in the front yard. So I'm out there hanging out in the front yard just wanting to meet my neighbors. And here comes uh, Joe, who has become a dear friend. Joe comes down to the house, and uh, we're talking on the front porch. And I'm sorry, I, I wanted to bridge a spiritual conversation here. So I just asked Joe, I said, Joe, are you a spiritual man? He said, oh, yeah, man, I am. And he started telling me a story. And he told me a story that as a young man, when he was at full of vigor and and a businessman and this kind of stuff, he drank incredibly heavy. And in that drinking, he destroyed his heart. And in the, in the midst of his heart attack that he was having, he flatlined in the hospital. And he said, you know, he said, I was out of my body. And he said, there was an incredible peace and uh, uh, the light filled the area. And he said, I have no fear of what happens after I die. I thought, man, that's crazy. 
I was a little skeptical, needless to say. And I'm thinking, man, Joe, I mean, that's something to read about in books. That's something you see in videos. That's not your neighbor. And uh, But he talked about it, and he, he said, I have no fear of what's after because of that experience that I had. Wow. You know, what I, what I do, obviously, uh, I have the opportunity, I guess that's what, what you'd say, to be with people in their last days. Their, their last breaths, last days, you know, I get to be there with them. And I've, over 40 years of ministry, I've done that many times. And uh, it seems to have changed, though, in those 40 years. Um, now, when you're with people and they're taking their final days, their final breaths, there doesn't seem to be the um, otherworldly type experiences. Let me give you an example. There was an older lady in our church. She passed away uh, over a decade ago. And I would go see her in her last days, last moments. And I remember her being there and she's reaching. She's just reaching. And I'm thinking, well, that's kind of odd. She's reaching. But she, and able to communicate a little bit, she was having a, a heavenly vision that she was having and she was just reaching. And uh, I can remember other times in times past when people would say, oh, I see the angels or I see Jesus and this kind of stuff. We don't have those much anymore because we uh, want to create such a comfort and no pain that most people are out of their head with morphine or whatever and they don't have those uh, experiences. But they yet, yet they used to happen all the time with people uh, in, in these experiences. And we're thinking, oh, man, this is really weird. And, and uh, we, we start thinking about these things and they create, I, I know I'm the biggest skeptic of all as we look at these, but, but uh, what, what's happened is uh, a guy named John Burke. John is the pastor at Gateway Christian Church in Austin. He's a friend. And uh, John wrote a book called Imagine Heaven. And uh, you might want to pick this up. It's 300 uh, pages, and you can, you can handle that. But, but when you leave today, you're going to be given a gift uh, when you go. But John wrote this book, Imagine Heaven. And uh, it's, as you saw, John, in the video, when John's dad was dying, John was a young man. He had finished his engineering degree at UT, and he was sitting with his dad. John would say, at best, he was an agnostic. He was not a believer by any stretch of the imagination. But as he's sitting there watching his dad's final days, he, uh, he, he read a book called Life After Life by a guy named Raymond Moody. And uh, I think it was published in 1975. And he read that book, and it just triggered something in him as he watched his dad die and he was reading this of these NDEs, these near-death experiences. He's reading about these, and he said, I've got to find out truth here. So what John did is he set out on a trek, and as he said in the video, he's interviewed over 1,000 people that have had near-death experiences. And out of that, John came to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he now pastors at Gateway, one of the largest churches here in the Austin area, and God is using him all over the world. But this became a bestseller, Imagine Heaven. And if you want to go pick it up, I would encourage you to do so, just to, just to read it and see that. But John, in his research, he discovered that uh, 
don't get nervous. I know some of you get nervous. Man, he hadn't opened the Bible yet. Don't get nervous. But uh, but John said, and, and you start doing the uh, investigating, that Adam Moody's book, there was, a, there was a man by the name of Dr. Sabin, Dr. Michael Sabin. He was a cardiologist, and he read the Life After Life book, and he said, I'm going to figure out and debunk this, because as scientists, we cannot buy into this mystery of afterlife. And so he decided as a cardiologist, he was going to interview his patients. Because as a cardiologist, he had had many patients flatline and come back, and he wanted to interview them. Well, as he interviewed his patients, he discovered there's truth here, that these people are actually experiencing some kind of afterlife situation that is there. And uh, so he wrote his, his findings in an article in, in the Journal of the American Medical Association, JAMA, he wrote the article on his findings. Well, there was a guy by the name of Dr. Jeffrey Long, and he was a radiation oncologist. And what Dr. Long did, once again, he was going to try to disprove what uh, Sabum and Moody had said about this afterlife stuff. And so Dr. Jeffrey Long he began to do interviews. He did over 4,500 NDE interviews all over the world, not just in the United States. All different kind of cultures, all different kind of faiths. Um, he even discovered that in interviewing blind people who had been blind since birth that had NDEs saw the same thing that people who had eyesight could see. He also discovered that in the different faiths, whether it be Muslim or Hindu or Christian or whatever, they had very similar experiences in what they saw. And so all of a sudden this is becoming, now scientists are, are seeing this. There have been some alternate theories as to may it what have been, you know, whether it's uh, uh, drugs or this kind of stuff, but yet the similarities are, are just crazy. But there's a couple of things about NDEs as I talk about this. You cannot base your theology on NDEs. They're all unique. They're very unique. But yet the findings are really incredible. And everybody that has had an NDE, uh, their life has been radically changed because of that. In the findings, there's found that 4.2% of the population of America has had an NDE, which is 1 in 25. Now, some may not have ever talked about it. Some have uh, uh, experienced and just shared it on a low level because they're doing those that have come out. And uh, we're going to talk about those that have a disturbing NDEs. They've been afraid to talk about it. And so we're looking at 1 in 25, 13 million people in America, have probably had an NDE. I'm as big a skeptic as anybody because I look at this, but yet when you start seeing the things that, that come about and the questions that people are asking, what happens when you die, it really creates a whole lot of interest. And especially if we're going to try to reach a world that is asking these questions. Sometimes it's been said of the church 
that we're answering questions that people aren't asking. And so this is a way for us to look at this. But there, in the findings of these NDEs, there were certain core elements that people had. And let me share some of these with you. One of them was the out-of-body experience. Uh, in other words, they were flatlined in an in emergency room or whatever, and they had this out-of-body experience that they saw removed from their body what was going on. And uh, in the book that John wrote, he shares some of those that are kind of kind of bizarre. I mean, there was one guy that had come in flatlined. They had taken his glasses off, and uh, he flatlined, eventually came back. And uh, when they got him to a room, he couldn't find his glasses. And so uh, he, or they were asking about his glasses, and he said, I remember you putting them in the drawer beside where my body was. Good night. Bizarre. Interviewed another guy, and uh, he, they were interviewing him about the NDE he was talking about, and he said, I remember, he's, he's flatlined, he said, I remember that one of the attendants there at the table did not have the shoe footies on. And sure enough, they went back and discovered that. Weird, weird stuff. But they, as they did these interviews, number one was they had an out-of-body experience. Here's some other things. I can't share them all with, but there was a heightened sense and an intense positive emotions that people had. Another one was the the passing through a tunnel that many of them talked about. Uh, many talked about a brilliant light and the mystical beings and the loved ones that were there as they experienced that. Many of you remember several years ago we had uh, Don Piper here uh, who wrote the book 90 Minutes in Heaven, and he, he talked about that. And, and, you know, you could I could always be skeptical of Don, but I tell you what won me over about Don was his humility and his love for Jesus. I'm thinking he's not an out-of-his-mind kind of bizarre guy. I mean, this is, this is very, very much who he is. And he talked about the, the light and the, and the loved ones. Uh, another thing was a heavenly realm. They saw... A heavenly realm, not not just earthly stuff. Uh, another one that they they uh, saw was that many of them experienced a boundary or a barrier that they could not go beyond, that they were limited in how far they could go into this uh, this journey. Uh, and then, last of all, they all returned to their body. Obviously, uh, we're not talking about just a asleep we're talking about they flatlined and it was beyond many people would say well the brain continues to function for a time after the heart has been yeah but some of these were definitely 30 minutes or these kind of times and 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 it was just unbelievable uh that they and then they return to their body and uh and they went on with life but they were forever just like my neighbor were forever changed because of this experience. Believe it or not, we're all skeptics to a certain degree, but yet scientists like, uh, like, I've, like Dr. Long and Dr. Sabum have convinced others that, uh, listen, there's something scientific that says that there is an afterlife. And I know many of you in here are Christians or Christ followers, and you said, duh, Mark, yeah, we've, we bank on that. But let me tell you, Everybody's asking that question, and they're needing answers. 
Are we going to give them some mystical answer or are we going to give them truth? And so we look at Scripture and we see what the Scripture says here about what people experience in these NDEs. And I want to, I want to take a moment just to go over some of these with you because I think it's important as we look at these. One of the things that people, we look at the science realm, we look at the Bible realm. People want to know, is there NDEs in the Bible, near-death experiences in the Bible? Uh, well, we look at certain people had certain visions that we think, man, that could have been close to an NDE. Uh, Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians about a man who was, who was, was transported up to a third heaven, and he was seeing things. Was that an NDE or just a vision? I don't know. Could have been a vision. Ezekiel had visions. John had visions. We see these experiences that they had. But one of the things that was talked about by people with NDEs, and we look at the Bible, is they talked about upgraded bodies. Now, some of you are saying, amen, upgraded bodies. That's, that's good. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 through 4, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. The, the Bible talks about that when the passing of life and these earth suits give out that there is a new body that awaits us recognizable yes but the scripture talks about this new body and many people that had these ndes talk about their body and the peace and the health that was there we look at this in scripture here's another one um they were fully known and fully accepted it wasn't like they were in an odd position that they were fully known and fully accepted in, in the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. You see, as long as we're in these earth suits, we're looking through a mirror dimly. But one day we will see face to face, just as we're fully known, we will know fully at that point. Here's a third one. The people that had NDEs talked about the most beautiful place that they could see. We see in Revelation chapter 21, John has this picture of the new heaven and the new earth. And this is what he said. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from a throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. People saw a, a new beautiful that they could not even explain. And John is even struggling to explain that when we see in Revelation. 
Another thing that people talked about was seeing loved ones. And, uh, you know, every time a family member passes away or I do a funeral or one of my friends passes away, heaven becomes a little sweeter because of that. And you may remember Don Piper when he talked about seeing his loved ones. I, I, I feel like I need to give a warning here a little bit because so many people say, oh, I can't wait to see my grandmother. I can't wait to see my mom or see my spouse or whatever. Listen, that will pale in comparison to seeing Jesus. I think sometimes we're, we're wanting to see loved ones more than we, we see the lover of our souls. And we have to be careful there. But yet, that we do know that there is going to be a reunion, that there is going to be a homecoming, so to speak. And uh, people saw this, and, uh, and it's incredible. Uh, another thing that people saw that I mentioned was this beam of light. And what's interesting is, is that blind people saw this beam of light. People that could see saw this person of light. People from different religious backgrounds saw this being of light. They did not see, in other words, uh, a person who was a Muslim did not see Muhammad. Uh, A person that was Hindu did not see the third eye individual. They saw this person of great light. You know, John in the book of Revelation saw that, and here's what he said. He said, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Listen, that's the glorified Jesus. People from different cultures, different religious backgrounds are not seeing their deity. What they're seeing is Jesus. They're seeing the brilliant one. Here's the other side of that, though. Not all NDEs were positive experiences. Some were what we would call hellish or very disturbing And uh, these make incredible impact, but it's been discovered that many people don't want to talk about those because they were so petrifying and fearful to them. Howard Storm, I want to read uh, Dr. Storm's account of the NDE he had. Because if we're thinking, oh man, if it's just a matter of going out of this body into a positive experience, Man, why don't we just jettison now? And it scares me to see how many young people, when I say young people, in their 20s and early 30s who are committing suicide today. It just baffles me that the hopelessness is so strong. But let me read Dr. Storm's account, and I want you to hear this. It's a little lengthy, but, but you've got to hear people because if we're going to be about the business of telling people that there is life after this death, we've got to not only 
say, oh, yes, there's a glorious heaven, but we have to share what scriptures teach about hell. Howard Storm was a professor of art at Northern Kentucky University. He was taking students on a tour of Paris museums when a stomach ulcer perforated his duodenum. In the hospital, Howard fought to stay alive, but ultimately he passed away. He later wrote, I knew for certain that there was no such thing as life after death. Only simple-minded people believed in that sort of thing. I didn't believe in God or heaven nor hell nor any other fairy tales. He expected oblivion, but instead he found himself alive standing in the hospital room. At first, Howard felt so wonderful he didn't realize he was dead. He encountered a welcoming committee of nice people he thought were hospital staff, but they deceived him and led him into an outer darkness exactly like Jesus described. There is that there in that horrifying darkness, these things turned on him and mauled him like the worst prison scene imaginable. At first it was pushing, kicking, pulling, hitting, and then that became biting and tearing with fingernails and hands. And they were taking pieces of me. And there was a lot of laughter, a lot of very foul language. And then they became more invasive. And I don't even, I don't ever go further with this because it was so demeaning. I mean, I don't talk about it. There has never been a horror movie or book that can begin to describe their cruelty because their cruelty was pure, purely sadistic. The emotional pain of what they had done to me was worse than the physical pain. The physical pain was pain from head to foot, just solid, horrible, acute pain on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 total. It didn't begin to match what I felt on the inside. And in that place, I heard a voice which I identified as my voice, except that it did not come out of my throat. It's strange, but I feel like it came out of my chest. This voice said... Pray to God. And I thought, I don't believe in God. I don't pray. And the voice said again, pray to God. And I thought, I don't even know how to pray. I couldn't pray if I wanted to pray. The voice said, pray to God. But eventually, in his deep desperation, Howard remembered a song he had learned when, he, when his neighbor took him to church as a child. Jesus loves me, this I know. I thought, why would Jesus care about me? Even if he is real, why would he care? He must hate me. I am so sorry. I thought, enough of this. I'm done. I don't have anything else. I wanted it to be true that Jesus loved me. I yelled into the darkness, Jesus, save me. I have never meant anything more strongly in my life. And when I said that, I saw a light, a tiny little speck of light. And it very rapidly got very bright and came over me. And I saw out of the light, hands and arms emerge out of this impossibly beautiful light. So intense. It's way brighter than the sun. And these hands and arms came out and they reached and they touched me. And when they touched me in that light, I could see me and all the gore, and I was roadkill. All that gore began to just dissolve, and I became whole. And much more significantly to me than the physical healing was that I was experiencing a love that is beyond, far beyond words.
I have never been able to articulate it, but I can say that if I took all my experience of love in my entire life and could condense it into a moment, it still wouldn't begin to measure up to the intensity of the love that I was feeling. And that love is the foundation of my life from that moment on. He just gently picked me up and held me up against him real tight, up against his chest. So there I am with my arms around him, his arms around me, and I am bawling like a baby. I am slobbering and snotting and drooling with my head buried in his chest. And he starts to rub my back like a mom or dad with a child. And I knew, I don't know how I knew, but that I knew that he loved me very much just the way I was. Jesus does love me. I called out to Jesus and he came to rescue me. I cried and cried, joy upon joy billowed through me. There is a hell. It's interesting that the percentage of hellish stories haven't been as much as the positive stories, which is kind of interesting because we talk about the narrow way and the broad way. But like I said, it's been been said that many people had these hellish, disturbing experiences, could not even talk about them. There was one last thing that was common that we see in the Scriptures to these NDEs, and it was this. It was a life review. The Scriptures talk about that we will stand and there will be a reviewing of our life. And they, they talked about this life review. And we see in the Scriptures how one day we will stand before Jesus. You know, the question we have to answer today in this room, that people are asking the question, how can I know for sure that I'm going to heaven? You know, the Scriptures are so clear that Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way. There was a uh, Sunday school teacher, and he's meeting with his kids, and he's been teaching them about salvation, right? Teaching them about Jesus and the afterlife and going to heaven and this kind of stuff. And he says this, he said, If I did good works and I helped out people all the time and, and, and I did this kind of thing, would that be good enough to get me into heaven? No, no, no. Okay, he's thinking, I'm getting across to him. Uh, okay, if I give all my money away to help other people and uh, I'll, I will travel all over the world to help them, would that be good enough to get me into heaven? No, no, no. Okay, he's thinking, I've, they're understanding. And then he asks them this, well, what do, what do I have to do to get into heaven? Little boy's hand went up, says, okay, what do I got to do to get into heaven? You gotta die. <laughs> and you know, the truth of the matter is, Jesus came and died in our place for us. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you know, the truth is, I really do have to die to self. As long as I think I can do it on my own, I will not experience that life that he has for me. Part of my prayer is, God, I want to die before I really die so that I may experience you. People are asking the question, what happens after I die? Well, when you leave today, 
you're going to be given a little book just like this. It's called What's After Life. And um, it's, a, it's John Burke's book, Condensed Down. It was condensed down for what is going to be taking place this spring in the whole Austin metro area. It's called What's After ATX. ATX referring to the five-county Austin metro area. There will be um, many churches participating. And in February, you're going to start to see um, billboards. You're going to start to see uh, uh, the web page put out there on social media. You're going to probably see some TV spots. And they're going to say that right there, what's after ATX, and they're going to talk about these things. And uh, what's going to happen is, is that on Easter Sunday, we're going to begin a six, six-part series on talking about life after life. And here's what you're challenged to do. You're going to be given this little book. Everybody in this room is going to be given one when you leave. Now, here's the deal. This week, you were to read it. Don't put it on your stack. Don't put it on your stack in the bathroom or by your bed, because what happens is it gets buried under other stuff that you said you would read. This book has been condensed down to where the average reader can read it in less than 90 minutes in one sitting. And I've got to tell you, once you start into it, you're going to uh, read it from cover to cover. Speed readers can do it a little over an hour. But here's the deal. This week, you're going to read it. The next week, you're going to pray about somebody to give this to. A loved one, co-worker, fellow student. You're going to give them your copy. And this is what you're going to say to them. I have just read an incredible read and I want to give it to you, and I want you to give me your take on it. You're not, you're not doing anything other than giving a gift away and just saying, man, would you give me your take on it? Because in here, it shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it, it, it's going to get them in there because everybody's asking this question. If we don't care enough to give them answers, shame on us. But this is a tool that we're going to be able to use. And you're probably going to have friends that worship at other places, and they're going to show you their copy and say, man, this is what we're reading. Give it away. So don't throw it in your car. Don't put it in your stack. Read it this week. Pray the next week. Give it away to someone. And then say, hey, I would like to talk to you about it. Share one last thing as the team comes. In 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says this, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. God has prepared a place. Question that you have to answer right now, is if you were to exit this earth suit right now, would you spend eternity in heaven? Mark, I want to know. I want to know. How can I know? Here's the deal. You're broken. You cannot do it on your own. Nothing you can do will get you into heaven. Nothing you can do. 
Jesus loved you so much that he gave his life. He fulfilled the law that you could not fulfill. And the wages of our sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. God is waiting for you to call out to him. I wish you could do it through somebody else, but you can't. You play one-on-one, and he's waiting for that prayer. And here's what I'm going to ask of you. If that's your prayer today, let it be your prayer today. I'm going to encourage you to tell somebody. But Mark, that's, that's a little private. No, I want to make sure we can help you grow in that faith. If I can talk you into it, somebody can talk you out of it. It's one-on-one with the Lord. Thank you.